You're listening to the Modern Vital Podcast, which explores the relationship between environmental factors and human health. Here is your host, Dr. Ben Reebs, founder of Portland Clinic of Natural Health and Modern Vital, elevating health and well-being one journey at a time. Stay tuned for fun, practical, and thought-provoking health tips, along with suggestions and insights into optimizing health and preventing chronic disease through integrative, naturopathic, and functional medicine approaches. Your body is unique, powerful, and intelligent. Your treatment should be too. On today's episode of the Modern Vital Podcast, we're gonna talk a little bit about how tick-borne disease can trigger autoimmune disease. Tick-borne disease is also known as TBD, and autoimmune disease is also known as AD. Our modern vital fact of the day is that the main mechanism associated with tick-borne diseases and autoimmune diseases is called molecular mimicry. In molecular mimicry, foreign antigens are structurally similar to native antigens in a host, uh, which can lead to cross-reactivity in terms of the immune response. In other words, our own immune system might mistakenly recognize our own cells as foreign due to a structural resemblance between the foreign antigen and our own native proteins. One example of molecular mimicry is how candida albicans shares homology with tissue transglutaminase. Uh, Tissue transglutaminase is an enzyme found in the skin as well as the gut. And so this um, uh, shows that candida can actually be implicated in the pathophysiology of celiac disease. Now, here's how this could all work in an autoimmune disease. We become infected with a microorganism, which we then produce antibodies to, or some T cells, or both. But some of those antigens in that microorganism might also resemble some of the proteins in our own body. And as a result, our immune system mistakenly targets and attacks our body's own cells. And over time, this can develop into an autoimmune disease if it happens enough. So we're gonna discuss four or five ways that tick-borne disease can trigger autoimmune disease. The first we just discussed, molecular mimicry. The second is called bystander activation. The third is called epitope spreading. And the fourth is called original antigenic sin. And then we're also gonna discuss a fifth just a little bit, which has to do with apoptosis or cell death. Now, this final pathway, which we're only gonna touch on, um, appears to be due to a Th17 response that's gotten a little bit out of hand. And the Th17 response in the body is associated with the autoimmune pathway. And um, there's an inflammatory cytokine that's produced by this pathway called IL-17. And when it gets a little bit out of hand, then we can end up with autoimmune disease. But before we discuss these mechanisms uh, that um, show that autoimmune disease can be triggered uh, by a tick-borne illness, Let's talk a little bit about tick-borne illness. Now, first of all, uh, tick-borne disease is transmitted by arthropods uh, or ticks. And um, the tick becomes infected and it carries the infection in its blood and then that gets transmitted to its saliva. And of course, this includes the most famous tick-borne illness, Lyme disease. It also includes uh, things like rocky-mounted spotted fever and various co-infections such as babesia, tularemia, Um, anaplasma. Lyme disease is most famous uh, for being um, 
prevalent in New England, uh, particularly Connecticut, but we now know that it's found all over the U.S. and um, can even uh, be found in various parts of the world. We think of the classic bullseye rash that might appear after being bitten by an infected tick, but we now know that um, probably not even the majority of people get this bullseye, ra bullseye rash. Now, in my practice, probably 10 to 20% of my patients report some kind of rash that is bullseye-like. And in the research, it's debated. Um, it could be anywhere from 9% to 80%. Um, now, tick-borne illness can also present a lot like autoimmune disease, right? We get um, musculoskeletal pain, um, arthralgias, which are joint pain, myalgias, which is um, muscle pain, uh, skin involvement, uh, neurologic impairment, even the kidneys can be affected. And we also can see inflamed blood vessels. It's important to note that tick-borne illness or disease can lie dormant in the body for many years. And then suddenly an infection can be triggered um, by something such as an illness or a trauma. And then this could, down the stream, uh, trigger autoimmune disease. And we could end up with rheumatoid arthritis in our joints or Hashimoto's thyroiditis in our thyroid. Borrelia burgdorferi, which is Lyme disease, is known as the great masquerader. And it can hide in different areas of our bodies, in various tissues, and then present as a different disease. And many of my Lyme patients um, have various conditions and diagnoses that they're carrying with them, uh, and having been referred from specialist to specialist. Borrelia bacteria are shaped like a corkscrew. And I often think of them as like little Tasmanian devils. They can burrow into uh, different organs and throw a party and wreak havoc on that particular um, system in the body. They can even evade our immune system by hiding in uh, the biofilm of the gut. So let's discuss the first way that tick-borne illness can trigger autoimmune disease in molecular mimicry. We, we talked about a little bit before uh, one uh, example would be in Lyme disease, uh, when a few, a few decades ago, uh, in a study, uh, it was discovered that uh, what is called 41KDA, uh, which is a protein band um, found uh, in the tail of the bacteria of uh, Borrelia, also called the flagella, um, our body will make antibodies to this 41KDA. Anyway, it was found that it shares a similar structure uh, in human tissue with myelinated fibers in our um, peripheral nerves and also in um, the epithelial cells in our joints, uh, particularly in the synovium of our joints. And also there was a similarity found in um, heart muscle cells. And so this could, you know, just partly explain um, a pathogenetic role uh, of this shared antigen uh, in the chronic manifestations of Lyme where we see uh, joint pain, we see neuropathies, we see arthropathies, and even um, sometimes heart involvement. A second way that tick-borne illness can trigger autoimmune disease is known as the bystander effect, also called bystander activation. Basically, an immune response to a pathogen takes place, and then a series of inflammatory mediators activate what are called autoreactive or self-reactive T-cells. These guys are just hanging out. Um, they just happen to be in the area, and they can um, promote an inflammatory effect that then triggers an autoimmune disease. Uh, bystander activation is, is associated with um, 
rheumatoid arthritis, uh, its onset or um, a relapse of rheumatoid arthritis, also lupus and uh, even autoimmune thyroid disease, such as in Hashimoto's. Basically, these self-reactive cells, which escaped immune tolerance, uh, will migrate to the site of inflammation, and they'll even promote more inflammation. And I think the key point here is that they're not dependent on the uh, antigen. A third way that tick-borne disease can trigger autoimmune disease is called epitope spreading. Epitopes are the part of an antigen that the antibody attaches to. And when an immune response develops to a distinctly different epitope uh, than the original disease-causing one, but it has a familiar, um, similar structure, we can get what's called epitope spreading. And uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, this could allow our immune system to attack multiple targets, like on a single pathogen, uh, if each epitope um, was very similar. Now, of course, this could also lead to our own body being attacked if we had similar structures in our body that um, looked like that original epitope. One disease that we can see epitope spreading in is lupus, where the original antibody response can be seen to spread to other regions, uh, at least in mouse models. Now, a fourth way that tick-borne disease can trigger autoimmune disease is known as original antigenic sin. And this phenomenon uh, occurs uh, when there's prior exposure to an antigen, and that prior exposure shapes subsequent or future immune responses to other related antigens, such as variants. In other words, the antibody response is a little bit off target, and this is also known as immune imprinting. This, uh, as we just kind of hearken to, is um, what we see in viral infection. Our immune response to successive viral variants, as we saw, saw with SARS-CoV-2, can be shaped by the original response to the exposure of the original pathogen. <clears throat> now, a fifth way that tick-borne disease can trigger autoimmune disease, we just kind of mentioned briefly, and this has to do with apoptosis, when um, basically a cell is programmed to die. And there's evidence that certain bacteria uh, will promote um, self-peptides, that is proteins from our own body that are then pre presented on antigen-presenting cells, and our own cells will then die as a result. And one example we see uh, this in is type 1 diabetes. We also um, see it in autoimmune thyroid disease and rheumatoid arthritis. Now in type 1 diabetes, the T cells actually attack the insulin-secreting beta cells in the pancreas, and then they become apoptotic um, and die. Now, in no way is this list exhaustive. These are just a few ways that tick-borne illness could potentially trigger an autoimmune response in the body or an autoimmune disease. Finally, I'd like to talk about a couple of clinical cases I've seen recently where um, I diagnosed Bartonella, and then it appeared that the Bartonella triggered Hashimoto's in my patients. Now, Bartonella is also known as cat scratch disease, but it's another common tick-borne uh, co-infection transmitted in the saliva of ticks. I also found a case uh, published about 10 years ago of an 11-year-old boy who um, had Hashimoto's thyroiditis triggered by a Bartonella infection. What's interesting is that our thyroid, um, the metabolic director in our body, is um, like an exquisite antenna that listens to... Um, everything going on in our body, particularly for inflammation and oxidative stress. And um, when there's a lot of oxidative stress going on, it'll begin to go a little bit haywire. And we now know that tick-borne illness causes a lot of oxidative stress in individuals. And so it makes sense that 
uh, tick-borne illness could indirectly lead to elevated um, antibodies, particularly uh, tissue peroxidase antibodies that we see in um, Hashimoto's. Basically, our thyroid begins to attack itself, um, attacking uh, essential enzymes that um, make the uh, help to to construct our iodine molecules, which are key to building thyroglobulin, and then eventually to making uh, T3 and T4, uh, T3 being the active form of thyroid and T4 being the inactive. And then, of course, this can shut down our metabolism altogether. The key point I want to make today is that tick-borne illness should be on the differential when it comes to working with and uh, diagnosing um, autoimmune disease. And because these two associated types of disease um, can generate a lot of oxidative stress, it's critical to take loads of antioxidants and to consume an antioxidant-rich diet uh, in order to ward off um, the damaging effects of these conditions. But of course, if you're going to do that, um, please consult a certified or licensed holistic healthcare provider such as a naturopathic physician. That concludes today's episode of the Modern Vital Podcast. We would love to hear from you. We value your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions, please reach out to me at ben at modernvital.com. Also, please leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to having you join us next week for another exciting episode of the Modern Vital Podcast.